From the Raptors to homegrown talent in high school, the NCAA, and around the NBA, Toronto basketball fans, this is your home court with Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, and Josh Lewinberg on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Sport Check Studios. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewinberg joining us now on the line. ESPN NBA insider and probably outside of LeBron's family, the man closest to him following him from day one of his career going back to his high school days. Brian Windhorse joining us. Brian, thank you so much for taking some time. We know that you're going between practices and shoot around, so we appreciate it. I'm just happy I can walk out on the streets without being whipped in the face with sideways rain so i'm very happy now (laughs) (laughs) ryan let's let's jump right into it as i mentioned you followed lebron from his high school days his first stint with cleveland then to miami with the decision and then back to cleveland when you look at you know what he's done and, and this year that they've had their defense not been what it was but did you think that they would be able to turn the defense up the way they have in the playoffs compared to what we saw at the end of the regular season and sort of, you know, that little bit of a spiral they were taking and the concerns everybody was having? You know, I don't actually know how much they've turned it up because they're still giving up a lot of open shots. The Raptors just aren't hitting them. Um, There was, Boy, was there a lot of open shots on the perimeter that the Raptors didn't make last night. And a part of that is they're making a calculated uh, decision. You know, they they're they believe that they can, they can cut off uh, DeRozan and Lowry and live with um, whatever else happens, if, you know, whether that's Jonas Valanciunas or, or Serge Ibaka getting shots. Um, I do think that they're employing a game plan. Like, typically, you wouldn't have a game plan against a team in a game in mid-March where you trapped – the other player's best score. You don't usually prepare for that. You don't usually employ that in a regular season. And when you do that, you don't usually ask LeBron to expend as much energy playing free safety the way he does. So part of the reason they're having more success now is because they're playing a style of defense that you normally wouldn't play in the regular season. They still aren't really great at fundamentals. They still don't rotate well. They still don't close out well. Um, it just so happens they're playing a team that hasn't punished them for their weaknesses. Brian, uh, the result of this series may end up being the exact same as the result of the Cavs' first-round series sweep over the Pacers, but it certainly looked like Indiana provided LeBron and Cleveland with more resistance. Would you say there's a bigger difference between the Raptors, how they're playing and how the Pacers played, or is there a bigger difference between the Cavaliers, how they're playing in this series versus how they played in the previous series? The Cavs role players are playing better uh, in this series. You know, Channing Fry had a big game in, in game two. Uh, Shumpert had a terrific game in game two. Uh, Kyle Korver had his best game of the playoffs um, last night. Tristan has been really good in this series, I think. Last night, um, you know, Ty Lube made an adjustment in the fourth quarter with that second unit. Typically, he likes to have Channing Fry out there. He played Tristan at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and with Tristan out there, the Raptors weren't able to defend Lowry the sa- or, um, or uh, Kyle Korver the same. So 
without getting in too much X's and O's. They couldn't switch, and so Corver was getting open because Tristan was setting great screens. Um, I really think one of the reasons why this series hasn't been close is because the Cavs' role players have delivered and the Raptors' role players have not. The Cavs have been cleaner and more effective up and down the lineup uh, so far in the series. Brian, you're talking about the Cavs' role players, and one thing I noticed last night, and I mean, we see the handshakes. We know these guys are all brothers and family, but when there's a play that's being made on the offensive and defensive end by a top player, a role player, or it's a, you know, Kyrie Irving on the bench or A. Tavares on the bench, this is like a real sense of, of camaraderie and family with these guys. Is this the tightest unit, and how much does that play into how well this team plays? You know, it's... It's a carryover from last year. You know, I wrote a story at the end of the regular season about how the team really wasn't having fun this year. Um, they had a lot of fun last year. Uh, one of the things that defined their postseason was how much fun they had. They were not having fun a lot of the regular season. There were games I was in the locker room after wins, sometimes after good wins, and there was just like this tedium. Um, and some of that is they were frustrated with each other at times, and some of it was they just there was a lack of motivation. Um, them being in the playoffs has reignited that, and the fact that they're on a winning streak and they haven't lost the game in weeks now, um, that's going to make everybody feel better. And you know, there's a lot of you know this is where the veterans come into play. So, for example, Kyle or uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love don't play in the fourth quarter last night. In the other situation, if this team hadn't had the past success, we would all be like, wow, is this team better without Irving and Love? And we'd be sort of asking those questions. This team's accomplished everything. There isn't any question like that. So they can just, they can just handle that. Like one of the reasons why Darren Williams got in shape over the last month of the season and why he's playing so much better now is because Richard Jefferson came to him and said, hey, man, you're out of shape. You're not helping the team as much as you can. Let's see if you can get back in shape. And Richard Jefferson's doing that. He's not even playing. He's acting as a leader. So part of the reason why they're you know they're doing this is that they've all been through this before and they're really um they're really just old and smart and during the regular season them being old hurt them because when they had to play five games in in, in eight nights they looked bad and they would lose those games because they had a bunch of guys in their 30s well in the playoffs having a bunch of guys in their 30s who know what they're doing and have been here before that tends to you know to help you and it matter and that's what they were saying all along in the regular season and that's what's come to fruition in the postseason. Each year, it seems like there's that team in the Eastern Conference that's built to try and take down LeBron. And in each of the last six years, that team has failed. Now today, basically each one of those teams looks a lot different than they did back then, whether it's Boston, Chicago, Indiana, Atlanta. And then in a year from now, who knows what Toronto looks like how difficult do you think it is for these teams to come to terms with the fact that the reality that good in this LeBron James dominated era might not be good enough yeah that's the reality he is he has broken many teams over the last decade you know he he's pretty much broken the Pacers um, he, he broke the, the Wizards at one point. It was a long time ago, but he broke them. And at one point, they had Arenas Karan Butler and Antoine Jamison. I thought they had a contender. He broke that team. Um, he broke up. You know, the, the Celtics got him for a little while, but he ended up forcing the breakup of that team. Um, he forced the breakup. You know, he's completely. You know, he's played the Hawks three times in the playoffs. The Hawks have never gotten a win on him. He's pretty much broken that team up. Um, you know, uh, the Bulls. <laughs> 
played him four times, couldn't get past him. He pretty much has been a road the roadblock for uh, Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah. That team broke up essentially because he broke them up. I mean, there's a long history of this, and now the Raptors look like they could be next on the chopping block. And the only thing I can say is, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Ohio, you know, the, the Cavs had three All Stars. They had Larry Nance, Brad Doherty, and Mark Price. None of them Hall of Famers, but at the time. You know, they were winning 55, 57 games, and everybody thought they had a chance. And then every spring, they'd run into the Bulls. And the Bulls just had the better player, the player, the better team. And Jordan owned Jordan owned the league. And he retired twice, and so his, his run lasted sort of on and off over a decade instead of a decade straight. It was the same thing. And it's why when you have a LeBron, you hold on to him no matter what it takes because this is a once-in-a-lifetime in a thing. Um, when LeBron retires or moves on, the Cavs will not be the same team. And it may be the Raptors who have a player who is owning the team, or maybe the Bucks. We don't know. But that's kind of the way basketball goes. And that's why individual stars in basketball are so transfixing and so popular and so important. Brian, you, uh, along with Dave McMiniman, both of you co-authored the book Return of the King, LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Greatest Comeback in NBA History. Uh, fans can get that on Amazon and the various book outlets but just you know you've covered LeBron as I mentioned from start to finish and as he continues on writing this book and and seeing them come back down 3-1 to then win win the championship just tell us more about your experience in writing this book because we had Dave on last week and he chatted about it but what has your experience been covering LeBron and then putting this book together uh with with your partner Dave McMiniman you know uh, the book um, my favorite part of the book is when I wrote about the 2014 uh, summer. Now, most people enjoy the book because it tells the tale of the, of the comeback of last year when they were down 3-1 to the, to the Warriors and came back, and we have all the stuff about what happened in the locker room, etc. But to me, the machinations behind the scenes of what happened in, in 2014 when he decided to walk on the heat and come back to Cleveland, all the things that happened, LeBron and his agents really wanted to tell this story because the blemish on LeBron's career was what happened in 2010. And even though they still believe that the ideas that they had in 2010 were good ideas, um, they realized that they screwed up the execution of it. So it was important for them to sort of create, in their terms, a historical document of this is what happened. We're going to go ahead and tell you everything that happened day by day, in some cases hour by hour, in those days, in that week, where LeBron came back to Cleveland and then engineered the Kevin Love trade, all on the heels of the Cavs signing Kyrie Irving, completely unaware LeBron was coming back. Um, I loved getting all those details and telling all those stories about what was going on in the private jets and what was going on in these meetings. To me, I love that kind of stuff. I love those kind of details. Other people like other parts of the book. I could have written a whole book on the 2014 summer. It would not have been a New York Times bestseller like this book was. We were very fortunate. It's a New York Times bestseller because people are transfixed by LeBron and what happened last year in the playoffs. So to me, and that was really what LeBron was more interested in. So the first five chapters of the book, uh, one of which was on ESPN.com, you can, you can read it. You can just do a search and read it. Um, that, to me, was what this book was about, and the other stuff is what sold it. But that still excites me, and, and when we went in the process, that's what LeBron and his people wanted to talk about. They weren't really interested in talking about the finals last year. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to write a book on the 2014 summer, I definitely 
I would read it because I would lo- I would love to hear the behind the scenes things if there if there was a full book on it. But we do appreciate you taking some time to join us to talk Cavs and Raptors ahead of tomorrow na- tomorrow afternoon's game. Excuse me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. ESPN NBA insider Brian Winhorst joining us. We continue on here at 2.30. Steve Smith will be joining us to talk NBA playoffs and, of course, ahead of tomorrow's Raptors-Cavs Game 4 matchup. Keep it locked right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 SportCheck Studios. We've sort of touched on it. Kyle Lowry has said he feels he is doubtful for tomorrow afternoon's Game 4 matchup with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Following today's practice, he met with the media. Let's go to him. I'm probably doubtful, honestly. Um, well, hopefully something changed, but right now I, I don't think I'll be able to play. How- so it wasn't terribly close, I guess, last night? It was close. I mean, I mean, I was going to try, but I think I kind of made it a little bit worse by working out, trying to work out a few times and aggravated a little bit more, um, just trying to get out there and, and do things and turn and jump and um, run. So, you know, it's a little bit more sore than today, but I must have got more time. I got more than 24 hours to try to get ready to go play. But right now, um, it's not looking great, but, you know, I'm not giving up on it. Sucks. It's difficult. Uh, you know, just you know, we, we came into this season with high hopes and great intentions to to win a championship. And um, you know, it's not over yet. I mean, we still got games. We still, you know, still three wins. We, they still have to get a fourth win. Um, I know everybody said, "Oh, down three zero, whatever." But you know, you got to keep the spirit up, and we got to go out there and just try to get one tomorrow, and, and go from there. Um, you know. We haven't competed at the highest level we have. You know, I think we did a great job through three quarters, you know, and then Corbett hit nine straight points, three threes, and we scored five, and it kind of kept going from there. Uh, but it's just very difficult to, you know, lose three games like that. I don't want to make it sound like you're in awe of somebody, but knowing what this team has accomplished, you know, 250 back-to-back seasons over 50 wins, and what you and Tamar have done in all, as All-Stars, um, does it put in perspective they're the champs. He's unbelievable. He's just a great player. Um, he's doing what his team needs for him to do. Um, they they are the defending champs for a reason. Um, and you know he's just been on another level, and he just raised his game. Um, you know, I know I'm not no LeBron. I know Demar's not no LeBron. Uh, we, we push our teams and we do what we need to do um, to get our teams wins. Um, maybe we, we just got to get better somehow, some way. Can you kind of relate to maybe how those old Jazz teams might have felt playing heads against, uh, <laughs> against Jordan or, or uh, Sacramento against LA back in the day? Or, yeah. Good point. You, know, you pretty much answered your own question. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I you answered your own question. So, yeah. But I guess facing that, the competitors that you have, 
I mean, you want to you want to beat them. You, your goal is to win a championship. Every single year I come into the the last five years is to win the championship. That's all that really matters. Nothing else. If you're a competitor and you're um, a winner, you want to win at the highest level. There's no, oh, this is a good story. No. If you ain't winning championship, you, you know, it's tough. And Have you allowed yourself to think? No. Of how, well. No. <laughs> I already know you. No. No, I haven't. I still got to support my team. I still got to try to get healthy and try to play tomorrow and go from there. But if you, let's say your wrist doesn't swell up with the All-Star break. I mean, I think a lot of things would have been differently if I didn't, you know, unfortunately a freak injury in my wrist. A bone gets caught, bones get caught in between the joints, you know, norm lands on my ankle. I mean, things happen. Um, you know, it just sucks when things happen like that. Um, you know, everybody was saying, are they vulnerable and all that? No. Yeah, I think I, not at all. You see, I know what they're, they were the defending champs for a reason. Um, they have a, a goal, they have a mission, and, you know, that's what they are on. You know, that's good for them. We have the same goals. It just hasn't worked out for us right now. You know, we still got a chance. We still got time. We still got a chance to get a game tomorrow and, and protect our house and then go back to Cleveland. So I think right now the, the spirit of the guys are high. I think everyone's still, you know, ready to try to go and, and win a game tomorrow. Kyle Lowry meeting with the media following practice earlier today. Is it blind optimism with or without Kyle Lowry in the lineup going into game four that they're going to get this one and go back to Cleveland? Yeah, Kyle Lowry is doubtful, and so is a Raptors win, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I, I, don't, I think that you know what he said about as a professional athlete, you're a competitor, you want to win the championship. Mm -hmm. That's what you go out there for. So for him, he thinks that they still have a chance. or you know, His will wants him to... Who wants the team to get that? But you know the reality we're looking at that without him, it's going to be next to impossible for that to happen. Yeah, I mean it's got to be a tough spot. Obviously for Lowry, it's got to be a tough situation not being out there and being able to control right. the team's fate in the way that he normally does. But it's a tough situation for any professional athlete to be in because these guys they're not they're not idiots. They yep. they they can see the writing on the wall, especially. Players like Lowry or DeRozan, uh, they're students of the game, so they know the history as much as we do. They mm -hmm. know that no one has ever come back from a 3-0 hole in a playoff series. Yet, there's that competitor in them. That, yep. I mean, you can't go into a game saying, oh, well, we're... Uh, right. LeBron's on fire. We're going to lose. We're going <laughs> to lose. The series is going to end. It's just a question of they can't be thinking the things that we're saying, but right. at the same time, they're aware of it. They know, so it's... I mean, that's, it's that that line that you have to walk as a competitor, as a professional athlete, where you almost you, you almost have to tell yourself that you can't believe yeah. what you know is the the reality. Yeah, and we know we talk about we've talked about having to play almost a perfect game, and as soon as those fissures start happening, like the shots get missed, the assignments get blown, you're like, okay, here it comes. It's so tough, and they keep coming at you, and the three ball. So, 
It's it's mental as much as physical in terms of how you compete against the Cavs. To team. be to be a great professional athlete, you've almost got it. Like you got to be a soci- sociopath or something. It's like the more lo- logical <laughs> of a person right. you are, yeah. and we see like Patrick Patterson, a really smart guy who's always in his head, and like you you know he knows what the reality is. You've you've got to be crazy. You've yeah. got to be so crazy that you can kind of tell yourself like a Kobe Bryant type that you can tell yourself. I can come back from, from three down. And make yourself yeah. believe it. Yeah. Yes. It's the, it's, I, w- I would say it's not so much the telling yourself that. It's the making yourself believe it yeah. that I find fascinating about professional athletes. Not even just basketball players, but just professional athletes in general. Like, you go back to the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Everyone thought the game was done. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tom Brady comes marching down the field and they end up winning. And it's, it's sort of like you have, you have to have a different mindset as a pro athlete in order to believe that, yeah. okay, I'm down 3-0, but I, I still got this. And that's obviously no one ha- has done that, has put their team on, on their back in an 0-3 situation. And, and it's not going to happen. But yeah. again, as a player, if, if you're going to go out there and, and – um, compete at the highest level in, in the, the bleakest of situations, that's the mindset you have to have. And it speaks to what we said earlier about the Coach Casey and DeMar DeRozan getting arrested mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. DeMar wants to be out there and play and, and do whatever he can to make that happen. Right. So um, I think, you know, you look at the situation and it's one game. Can they get one game? Because we, we know they can't get the series. I don't feel the energy that it's even a one-game situation right now. We continue on here on Home Court. NBA TV analyst and former NBA player Steve Smith will join us coming up at 2.30. Keep it locked right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Home Court on TSN 1050. Megan McPeak, Josh Lundberg, Dwayne Watson. We've, you know, we've talked about it at length and nauseum. We'll talk about it more tomorrow in pregame. But let's put aside what we already know and what we suspect is going to happen with the sweep we've somewhat talked about you know adding adding depth and you know Masai and, and the front office making moves to improve to play within the modern days NBA and that would be three-point shooting three-point shooting you, you can't it, who, who do you go after that's out there oh I don't know it's, you know it's, what I mean it's, 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 it's way too yeah. early for that but yeah I mean you, you can't be outscored by 84 points beyond the arc in a three-game stretch yeah. in the playoffs or really any point of the season, not in today's NBA, not really any. I mean, that, that's, those are a lot of points to overcome. Um, it, obviously, it starts with DeMar DeRozan because he's not exactly the face of this uh, pace and space era of the NBA. In fact, he's the opposite of it, and a lot of people will point to DeMar and say, you can't win with a player like that in right. today's NBA. And the Raptors have proven, DeMar has proven that you can. I think it's just more important than ever, especially once you reach this point, if yeah. you're going to even compete with a team like Cleveland, DeMar's got to be surrounded with the right guys. Uh, he's got to be surrounded with, with very different types of players, shooters. Um, I, I don't think you can afford to have uh, DeRozan and, and Valanchunas um, on the floor for long stretches of time because of the spacing issues and how much they, they take away from each other, the, the fact that they don't complement each other on the floor. There are certainly people that say, well, look at the success that the Raptors had without 
Kyle Lowry earlier this season. Let him walk, turn the keys over to Corey Joseph. And while Corey has become a much improved shooter this mm-hmm. year, he's not a, a real three-point shooting threat. So then you'd be looking at a lineup in a backcourt with yeah. Joseph, DeRozan, perhaps even Valanchunas. So these are the things that, that roster composition, these are the things that Masai Ujiri has to look at this summer. Again, I would be very surprised if he took a an axe to the whole thing and right. just started chopping. This isn't going to be a teardown. I mean, it might, I suppose, but I would be very surprised given how much uh, winning sustainably, uh, yep. ha- how, how important that's been to this front office group. But changes have to be made. There's no question about that. And changes, decisions will be made just based on the situation they're in. Uh, four rotation players will hit unrestricted free agency. Consistency has been key in the Raptors regime. And we talked about that in terms of holding on to this Raptors fan base. You're not going to be able to do that if you blow it up and try and fix it again. I think um, we look at DeMar DeRozan, you talk about, I don't want to compare it to DeMar to LeBron, but LeBron's a better three-point shooter, but he's a guy who can get to the basket and create, but he can also knock it out to guys like Kevin Love or the 20 other guys in the roster who can knock down a three-ball shot. Kyle doesn't have the luxury of having that. There aren't, you know, Kyle Lowry, sorry, DeMar doesn't have the luxury of that. Kyle Lowry is the best three-point shooter on the team. He's hurt right now. Serge Ibaka was brought in to add some of that, but there's not, Norm Powell had a great run to be in playoffs, hasn't been that consistent, so they have to find guys who can knock that shot down or else this team's going to have trouble, they're going to struggle. Well, whenever the three-point shooting issues over the last couple weeks have been mentioned to Dwayne Casey, what he'll bring up is the fact that the Raptors were a good three-point shooting team during the season, and they were, but it was sort of fool's gold, and it's something that I've talked about since the beginning of the season, even going back to last season, because while the Raptors, yes, they, they've shot the ball at, at a pretty good percentage in the past, I think if you look at most rosters in the NBA today, in today's game, especially the elite offenses, the right. best offensive teams in the NBA, and like 75% of their roster, if not more than that, uh, are shooters, legit three-point shooting threats. The Raptors... But Lowry is obviously, as you mentioned, a big part of the reason why they've had right. uh, success from beyond the arc. He shoots it in volume. Terrence Ross, before being traded, yep. mm-hmm. he shot them in volume. And yeah, I mean, at the trade deadline, you, you get a couple of decent three-point shooters, good three-point shooters in Tucker and Ibaka. Both of them, I mean, Tucker shoots a great percentage from the corners. Ibaka shoots a good percentage. But neither of them give you volume right. in the way that Lowry did and Ross did. I think in today's NBA, one, you need the volume. And two, you need the, the depth and the versatility of shooting. You need to have four, at least four guys on the floor at, at every given time. Who are legit threats. Who are legit threats. Not guys that like Joseph who can, yeah, you can knock them down. Guys that are, are not only going to knock them down, but they suck in the, the attention right. of the defense because the opposition has scouted, has scouted you and they know that yep. you can and will make them. After today's practice, DeMar DeRozan met with the media. Let's go to him. Is it easier the second day after? No. No, it was expected. Um, it was going to get tougher, um, especially second half. You know, um, they picked it up defensively. Um, you know, we still was there, you know, going into the fourth quarter. You know, we, we couldn't make no shots, and, you know, they ran away with it. I understand that athletes have to be athletes, but how, how do you deal with the possible end of the season tomorrow and block the, the magnitude of what you have to do? Um, just, just understanding, you know, you do have an opportunity. And as long as you understand that you have an opportunity, you know, um, 
you can focus in on that. And whatever comes after that, then you dwell on whatever comes after that. But as long as you have an opportunity, you know, you get Knowing that this team has shown a history of really stepping up when their backs are against the wall, do you believe you guys had that fight in you for the wall? Yeah. You know, we pride ourselves all year off of things like that, being down, being resilient, giving everything we got, um, and just fighting. You know, like I said, I go back to you know, what Doug said, you know, um, we have an opportunity to be able to exploit that tomorrow, and you know we're going to have to do it from all angles. Tomorrow, how challenging has it been? I'm just kind of looking back a little bit that you guys haven't had the full group together, healthy in rhythm, for longer than I guess a few weeks at a time since the All Star break. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I I never really dwell on it. You know, I always. Take takes what we're given, you know. You 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 have to, you know. You can't dwell on, you know, um, this person hurt this that. We still gotta go out there and play. Nobody gonna feel sorry for us. We can't go out there and make excuses for ourselves. We still gotta be able to go out there and play. It sucks when it happens, but you know you still gotta keep pushing and moving forward. You don't have any time in your mind, I guess, for like, what if Kyle was healthy? Nah, I, 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 that's one of my biggest pet peeves is the what ifs, you know, what if I hit the lottery, you know, the whole dynamic of life would change if you just really played off the what if all the time. So, you know, I try to never, you know, think about it that way. We got to understand going into the fourth quarter, a championship team like that understands, you know, the moment, understand going into the fourth quarter, this is the opportunity to pull away, to, you know, do all the things that's needed for, for them to win. You know, you've you seen it in the first two minutes of the fourth. And we got to understand going out there every single quarter, let's close out the quarters, but especially going into that fourth quarter, every single second, matters for us to, you know, ex execute on both ends. Mark, the timing's not great in this question. It seems you said a second ago that you're not a fan of what ifs. Do you think about the possibility of what everything could look like if you lose tomorrow in terms of the impact of free agents and the makeup of the team and what it would look like in the offseason? Do you even think about that? If I thought about it, if I didn't, it wouldn't make a difference. I still got to play the waiting game and see what happens. You know, I, I just never dwell on it. You know, I understand, you know, um, whatever happens, happens. Whatever's going to come, it's going to come. You know, I've always been that way, you know, forever. You know, um, but to answer your question, no, I'm just worried about walking out of here, walking across that court and going to the locker room. I couldn't tell you nothing else from there. Can anyone really replace Kyle the way he's kind of built into this team? Though? Say it again. Can anyone really replace Kyle the way this team is built? I know. You know, Kyle, the reason we are the team we are is because of Kyle. You know, um, you know, per perfect with everything that fits. You know, he get us all going. The whole makeup, you know, is Kyle, so. DeMar DeRozan following practice meeting with the media. It's tough, you know.
he does what he does but needs a supporting cast then you take away Kyle which we imagine he won't be playing tomorrow afternoon and it makes DeMar's task that much harder especially if the supporting cast outside of you know a, a JV giving them 15 to 20 points and maybe you get another you know 10 to 12 from a norm if he can get hot outside of maybe three players in double digits it makes it that much harder when the supporting cast is not doing their job of supporting. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, the the most frustrating thing, I, I think, certainly for fans, but can you imagine DeMar DeRozan not knowing who he can rely on, who right. he can count on? Yeah, maybe. Damari Carroll gets hot and knocks down a few shots. Maybe Patrick Patterson, I was going to say, gets hot and, and nails Takes a few a shots. Shot. But taking a shot yeah. would be the first step of uh, there. I, did he even he didn't, no. att no. didn't attempt a shot last night. In so uh, not knowing what you're going to get from so many guys that are playing big minutes is something that, I, I, yes, absolutely. It's got to be tough. It's got to be frustrating. Um, he's got to be able to rely on his supporting cast to whatever it is, knock down shots, be able to put the ball on the floor and, and break down the defense, whatever it is that they're, that they're tasked with, their roles, those roll cards that Dwayne Casey gave them back, whatever it is now, six months ago. Uh, these guys, a lot of them have been inconsistent over this stretch, and you can't win like that, not against the Cavs. Yeah, and it's tough because without Kyle being there, DeMar really has to make the decision where, can I rely on this guy passing mm -hmm. the corner, or should I just try and make something happen myself? And that's a tougher situation where he's, he's playing into the defense, but can you judge him when guys are not knocking down those shots or not taking those shots? So it's a tougher situation for him that he's got to face not being able to knock down the three-point shot to defend them. But he's made better decisions last game in terms of taking the basket and finding ways to get in the free-throw line, but he can't do it all on his own. We continue on here. We'll tee up tomorrow afternoon's game. Keep it locked right here on TSN 1050, and if you're on the go, on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 SportsCheck Studios. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lundberg. Joining us now on the phone, current NBA TV analyst in a moment. Um, we'll hear from Steve Smith. Looking at tomorrow's game, um, I mean, like, is there anything else left to say when you look at game four? Is there really anything else left to say now that we know Kyle just, Lowry is probably doubtful and not going to play? Just hoping for a competitive effort from, from, from the Raptors. Like, you know, obviously it's not trending well for them, um, but you want to be a competitive game. Now joining us on the line, former NBA player, NBA champion, and current NBA TV analyst, Steve Smith. Steve, thank you for taking some time out of your afternoon uh, to join us here on Home Court and Talk Raps and Cavs. We'll jump right into it with you. Following last night's, uh, you know, fourth quarter debacle, is there anything left the Raptors can try and do in game four to compete at the minimum? You know what? I think they can, Megan. I mean, just watching them the last two years, you know, they've been down before in all these series. I think for them is it's just got to be pride. And obviously, you know, historically they say no one's ever came back from 3-0. But the whole goal is we're going to compete. We're professionals. We're a team that we know have talent. We played this team last year. Yes, they have additions. But you win one game, you want to get to Cleveland. And obviously the for the Toronto Raptors and the entire team, you want to know the health of Kyle Lowry. If he can play, they definitely have a chance. But even if he doesn't, next man up, you come out there and you compete. Because the one thing is until you win a championship, you're always building. You're always building. And you want to create bad habits. You don't want to go out. You want to lose a game. You don't want to give the game away. 
Smitty, uh, you played in the Eastern Conference in the 90s, obviously, uh, at a time against a team called the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. And obviously, the Raptors are facing the same parallel. Any team in the Eastern Conference is facing in terms of playing against LeBron, knowing that they always make it to the Conference Finals. How was it for you competing going in, despite how competitive you were with the Hawks or whatnot, knowing that a team kind of was always going to be in your way? How, how do you mentally prepare yourself um, season after season, knowing those, those, those uh, uh, I think uh, the great hurdles. question is, you made a great point. Um, yeah, did we know the Chicago Bulls were a better team than us? Did I know Michael Jordan was a better team? I mean, a better player than I? Yes. But you're always going, not today. He won't be a better player today, and they won't be a better team. And that's the one thing is you just go in and you got to go in and compete. And obviously he won six rings in Eastern Conference, preventing us and all everybody in the Eastern Conference from, win, from winning some. But no matter what, you come in and you just play extremely hard. I actually love the way the young guys came in and played. They competed. I love Norman Pyle. I said it on NBA TV last night. He competes. But he comes out and every day and gives you that effort to come out and compete. And that's all you ask for. And then all you keep building, and after that, you go in the summertime, you get better and better. And, and they have done that. I just thought this year, the addition of P.J. Tucker, the addition of Serge Ibaka, made them a better team to be, compete with the Cavs. Whether they were going to beat them or not, I thought it would be a definitely a competitive, more of a competitive series. And that's what they still can do. You know, hey, lose game seven, don't lose game four. They're going to beat you, make it be tough. Get it back to Toronto. And you figure if you can get it back to Toronto, you at least can get it back uh, going back to Cleveland. Steve, through three games here in this series, the Raptors have been outscored by 84 points beyond the arc. In today's NBA, the pace and space and the focus for most teams on the, the three ball, can you win in, in today's league without three-point shooting? You know, it's going to be hard because of the rules. I think because of the zone and the defensive rules, you need space. But I still think you can still win with some post players. San Antonio Spurs done it with Tim Duncan before he retired uh, and could have won another one if Ray Allen doesn't hit the shot. You know, so it, it can be done. Uh, I just think right now is so many people are saying, you know, it's easier to play this way. But when you still look around the league, there's only about – three, four teams that have legit shooters around them. And if you don't have those legit shooters, you got to find a way to play a different way uh, and win games defensively, rebounding. And that's the one area I thought Toronto was going to have the advantage. Points in the paint, second chance points, anything in the paint. And that's the area I've been a little bit disappointed. Smitty, when you look at the East and, you know, it seems inevitable, inevitable that the Cavs are going to beat the Raptors, if not sweep them. The other two options are the Celtics and the Wizards. Can either of those teams push the Cavs or, you know, come up with the miracle of upsetting the Cavs? You know, as of right now, I think it'll be tough uh, for both teams. I think the, the Boston Celtics will be extremely hard because of the matchup. Of basically, they just have Al Horford playing them in uh, front court. They need Olenek. They need to play at a whole nother level. If not, I think with the the size of LeBron coming at Al Horford, he has to help and then get back to Tristan Thompson. Uh, and if you play Channing Fry, he got to stand outside the lane. Uh, I, I think it'll be tough for the Celtics. The Wizards have a little bit more size with Marquise Morris and also Gortat. But I still think the way the Cavs are run, rolling right now, as of right now, I, I don't see either team being able to, you know, I say beat the Cavs in four games and prevent them from going uh, to the back to another championship. 
as we continue on here. Thanks, Steve. We appreciate you taking some time ahead of game four tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Steve. Former NBA champion and current NBA TV analyst Steve Smith joined us here as we continue on with home court. 90-minute pregame tomorrow. We start at 2 p.m. It'll be myself, Dwayne, and Gareth Wheeler. Josh will join us from courtside, as always, beginning the game and at halftime. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? We, we never know. It'll be interesting. We want to thank our guests, Jack Armstrong, Brian Windhorse, ESPN Insider, and Steve Smith, NBA champion and NBA TV analyst, just joining us now on the phone. TFC in Seattle taking on the Sounders will be coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great afternoon, and don't forget to protect home court.